This evening's Dharma talk is titled The True Nature. The true nature of phenomena is awakened mind. And this is from the 14th century Yingma master, Longchen Rabjam or Longchenpa, who was a, supposedly one an incarnation of Manjushri. It was one of several incarnations of Manjushri. He didn't mind sharing. So, so the way he broke this down, I have it written down here since my memory is evaporating quickly. If examined, this is the long chimpa, if examined, it is like space. If ex examined, it is like space. The ego is going to say, nothing's happening. There's nothing there. What is this? Why, is anything, why am I not getting anywhere? What, 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 what is this? What is this? I feel so lost. <laughs> if examined, it is like space. In being empty, it is dharmakaya, or the fundamental body, the foundation body of this entire situation, the basic fundamental truth without form. In being lucid, it is sambhogakaya, which is uh, um, as uh, before things come into nirmanakaya or manifestation. It's, it's kind of like the dream area. It's both real and unreal. It's both there and not there. It's both has time and yet it doesn't have any time. It's both like space and doesn't have any space. It's confusing. And being lucid, this basic space of phenomena is lucid. What is lucid? Basic space of phenomena is lucid. <laughs> what if we're looking for something? We want to materialize uh, spiritual materialism. We want some kind of result, some kind of proof. You aren't going to get any proof on this path. If you get proof, it's not a spiritual path. It's a mundane path with maybe a high elevation. Maybe you're high in the Rockies. Maybe there's a lot of drop-offs. Maybe you feel threatened. Maybe not. And being radiant, it is Nirmanakaya or this very situation that you're in. This physical realm, it radiates. It is radiant. But you won't see that if you're busy grasping and rejecting and selecting and objecting and including and excluding and on and on and on. I don't like this. I like that. It shouldn't be. That shouldn't be that way. He shouldn't be doing that. I shouldn't be doing this. How can I stop doing this? How can I stop feeling this way? Need I go on? Is that a pretty good picture of what a person's life is like? Certainly is the way my life is. I couldn't teach this. Nothing has changed. I've been around here for close to eight decades. Nothing has changed. There's still things happening, coming and going. There's still passion, aggression, and ignorance still operating, but they are what? They're not supporting an imaginary self. If you're incarnated, if you're in a physical form, you are going to suffer. This is the basic teaching of the Buddha. Life is suffering. The cause is desire. The goal is cessation. Not the cessation of suffering, it's often marketed that way, but it's actually the cessation of anyone, anyone who is suffering, any person who suffers, which is a little bit more difficult for us to understand without somebody hammering at it all the time. And the last one is the path or Shila Samadhi and Prajna or discipline, meditation, wisdom, or sit still, look at it, see what it is. Sit still, look at it, see what it is, and you will see what it is also not. 
This was in his uh, his one of his uh, I think seven maybe ten books. Anybody know ten ten volumes? The precious treasury of the basic space of phenomena. That was one of the volumes. So he lived from uh, uh, March the first, thirteen o five to thirteen sixty four. So what is that? Fifty fifty four years. Not very long. Powerful teacher. Uh, a teacher who was able to point directly at the mind with no support. No one following him up to say, yeah, Don Chimba's got it. He's the man. So it says, in being empty, it is dharmakaya, or the basic uh, basic nature. In being lucid, it is sambhogakaya, that which is coming out of dharmakaya and beginning, coming into manifestation, very much like a dream, and that which is completely downloaded in the physical form or an actual organism that is breathing, uh, chasing after rabbits. Probably you're not doing that these days, but at one time you did that. We all did that. So sometimes it's easy to take these words, dharmakaya, sambhogakaya, nirmanakaya, and use those to, to break down the basic seeing so you can see that this is Nirmanakaya and you may see its lucidity first. Uh, you may somewhat bypass that and begin to see or understand or perceive the Dharmakaya, which is the basic, uh, uh, basic nature of everything. It's without form. It's without manifestation. Sambhogakaya in between those is the one that joins heaven and earth. Here's Earth, here's Nirmanakaya. Not the sound of the thing. And here's the, these are pointing up to Dharmakaya. This is the heaven, and this is the earth, and here's us, human beings. This is Sambhogakaya. We connect heaven and earth. The teaching person, if that person is a true teacher, connects heaven and earth. Uh, every time they eat a steak, paint a rainbow, have a bowel movement. Any questions? <laughs> yes. Um, when it says the true nature of phenomena is awakened mind, when we're talking about the nature of something, what is that describer and what is something's nature? It's a way for us to step back, just like when you're sitting down and meditating, you're stepping back away from the busy samsaric world of spinning and going after them. The eight worldly dharmas of gaining and losing, loving and hating, living and dying. You're stepping away from that to sit down in front of the wall so you can see what is the fundamental nature of that which 20 minutes ago was out there involved in all of this, giving and taking, surrendering and obeying and challenging. What's the basic nature? Sitting down, What's that basic nature? It takes a while. More? How is um, something's nature differentiated from phenomena? Uh, it's not. But we differentiate it so that we can look at it. And once you look at it, if you don't say anything about it, you no comment, then you see at some point, or points, or maybe no points, uh, you see that you're not separate from the very thing you're looking at. That takes a while because it's not success. It's not as I succeeded at seeing that I'm not separate from anything. That's not going to happen. Uh, if it does happen, then it's uh, uh, your, uh, it won't last. Your illumination, your realization will fade because it is uh, relative. Is something's nature discrete or definable? At the beginning, 
We have to start somewhere. So we have to start with a ladder. We have to we have to start somewhere. We have to start with relatives with the provisional teachings of life of suffering that causes desire, the goal and the path, passion, aggression, ignorance, the twelve or the twelve links in the chain of existence, the five skandhas, and all of those. Go ahead. Is the nature of phenomena um, non-discreet? And I guess is it is it is it unique to phenomena? Does that flower have a distinct nature that is not the nature of the altar? Its its actual nature is not distinct, but its uh, its its uh, a transient nature, coming and going, is uh, is distinct in its movement or in its uh, in its luster, in its uh, how it shows up, in the way in which it shows up, and then its uh, substantial nature or nirmanakaya is fairly solid. This is not turning into uh, a cluster of, uh, of uh, cabbage worms. So it's not turning into something else that is also Narmanakaya. So once it's, once it's uh, those three natures, once it's uh, partaking of that particular dynamic or that realm or that quality, then it's, uh, it's relatively stable. But you can't lean on it. You can a little bit, but it will not last. Go ahead. Uh, the Dharmakaya, the ultimate nature, is that different from things being one? Is there one nature? Yeah, one is a presentation of ego. Uh, ego wants wants dharmakaya, so it just pronounces, well, we're all one. And then it goes on creating havoc in the world. Uh, I'm not saying intentional, but anytime there's any drawing within, thinking you know something, others don't, um, I would say, lock yourself in a closet. <laughs> You know, meddle with other people's lives. Any anytime somebody thinks they know something about something else, this is confusion. You have no idea. Any any of you are to look at each other right now. You have no idea what's happening with that other person. You have no idea what's happening with this. No idea. There's no way to know that. What can you know? You can find out who you are. I highly recommend you sit down and look at this mirror called plaster wall. Sit down and look until you see what this is. But no doubts. It's probably going to take years. So uh, Dharmakaya, ultimate nature, Sambhogakaya, the intermediate nature, and uh, Dharmakaya, um, the, the, the physical body, this body situation. Those three, when they are seen, uh, alter, they're seeing that they're not separate from each other. This is called Fabhavikakaya. That's the, the four kayas, which is described in... Uh, We've tried to describe lots of places. One of the places it is described is in uh, uh, Tisha's Southern Points of Mind training. I think it's number 14. You know, so just as practitioners, where can we start to begin to see phenomena as awakened mind? Right, right on your cushion. Sit down, hold still. Everything that moves, you can see all three kayas in everything that's happening in your mind. More. How do we not um, convert that into some sort of romantic ideation of I'm now seeing the the kayas. Just the just the fact you're able to say that tells me you're aware of it. And I would say, since you seem to be aware of it, because you can ask that kind of a question, I would say do nothing with it. Just receive. Whatever's happening in, in terms of information, if you do nothing with it, if you add to it, if you say, I think this is the truth. Or if you add to it, I think this is a little bit off or this needs more. Or if you add to it by saying I don't, I don't know. I mean, I need to look at something else. Or this is incorrect. Passion, aggression, and ignorance. You modify it, and then it takes on its own kind of 
solidity or fixation, and it becomes a, a could be a, a dharma gate, could just be a, a barrier, could be show up as doubt, could show up as greed, it could show up as pride, you could take on any one of those states. As long as there's somebody, then you're going to want something else. Go ahead. You sometimes somewhat jokingly talk about how enlightenment's not some sort of fairyland of, you know, yeah. uh, rainbows. Or, so when we see phenomena and we're beginning to look at that and it's not showing up as magic, is awakened mind actually just the ordinariness of what's arising? First, you'll probably see the, the ordinariness for a long time before the ordinariness uh, begins to show up as a, a magical display. You might have to look at an ordinary wall for a long time. I practiced uh, uh, looking at a wall the whole time, of course, but I practiced for over 35 years before I began to teach. And then I only started teaching because I couldn't help it. What is that magical display? Ordinary magic, as Trumpa Rinpoche would characterize it. Does it show differently than the mundane thoughts we look at now? So it shows up differently, uh, but it also shows up as being the same. I don't know how else to say it. I know that's not might not be particularly conceptually helpful, but it's it's like the if you read the poem uh, 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 Sandokai, the equality of sameness and difference. That that uh, what ninth century Chinese monk was trying to show how things are the same as each other, but they're different, and that that kind of uh, uh, view of being able to see something like that is uh, um, it's challenging from the point of view of self-centeredness or ego, but is liberating from the point of view of the wisdom mind, just to put it simply. Thank you. Any other questions? Since we're into questions. Is there a false nature of phenomena? Yeah. The false nature of phenomena is it looks like other stuff. Everything you look you look at looks like something else, somebody else, some other thing, and that's where that because we're projecting that that allows us to think that there's some good things and some bad things. It's not that there aren't some things that are going to rip your head off and some other things that are going to give you a big hug. Of course there are, but they're not separate. It's just part of phenomena. It's the way phenomena function, as it says. Um, the true nature of all phenomena is awakened mind. So what is a, what is awakened mind awakened to? Awakened to not separate. So if you had two blue things and they were not separate, big deal. I could have do that, and you know the two blue things are not separate. But is a, a blue thing and a giant a tortoise not separate? From the point of view of this, awakened mind not separate, not the same either. So that's where the energy the energy quality of it comes in, and that's where you get. Things like uh, words like coming out of uh, the 14th century from uh, Longchen, Rabdempa, Dreamy, uh, Urser, or Urser, uh, empty, lucid, and radiant, Dharmakaya, Sambhogakaya, Narmanakaya, empty, lucid, and radiant. And it's it's your world, and you're welcome to it. I'm just I'm not clear on the not separate, but not the same. Mm -hmm. um, That'd be real hard to get clear on. <clears throat> I'm wondering if you could say more about what is it that gives those dis are the distinct characteristics ultimately valid? 
<clears throat> yes, but they don't have a validator. They're self-validating. There's no one validating them. There's no woman behind it. There's no judge and jury validating anything. That's why the ego gets terrified when it gets into that no person's land. We've been talking about Tathagata Garber. No girl's land. Yes. The Tathagata Garber or Buddha nature a lot and how that's without characteristics, not born. It seems to be present in everything. So what is it that is differentiated? The, the apparent uh, oneness of everything is differentiated. Therefore, it's not oneness. But when that's seen, then uh, it's seen as the same. And it could happen sequentially. It could happen all at once. If it happens sequentially. That's called the path. If it happens all at once, that's uh, fruition. I guess I'm having trouble um, not seeing Buddha nature as like an underlying quality that's differentiated from the characteristics. And when it's not differentiated from the characteristics, under trying to understand how Tathagatagar was not relative truth. The poison is the Amrita. The, 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 the negativity is uh, awakening. The confusion is the awakening. The, uh, the common uh, the traditional way of saying it is that sentient beings, crazy people, are running around in circles trying to win wars and get a lot of gold and live forever. And, uh, and Buddhas are awakened ones who see the fundamental nature of this are not two separate things. It just looks like it. So that's why it seems to be necessary, as I say over and over again, whatever's arising with you, any negativity that's arising with you, just don't miss your life. Your, your life might not be arising as a, a pile of rosebuds. You might, your life might be arising as a steaming hump, a, a pile of manure. But just receive. You don't have to like it. I'm not saying you have to feel a certain way about it, but whatever happens, just receive that. Anything that's, anything that's negative is happening in any one of your minds in the next 10 minutes, in the next 10 days, in the next 10 hours, or whatever. Don't do anything with it. Even if it's obvious who caused it, it's always going to show up. That's what that's that's why we need a spiritual path, because uh, samsara, this world of cause and effect, is full of hooks of, I like it, I don't like it, it's good, it's bad, it's right, it's wrong. You should, you shouldn't. Look at our court system. I mean, it'll probably get better, but not before it goes off the cliff and takes most of us with it. And then it will come back some and some because things come around unless the whole world is wiped out, which could happen. But this isn't the only world. Is the poison always Amrita? Always. Thank you. Always. This doesn't mean you you drink uh, uh, um, uh, rattlesnake venom. Or of course, it probably wouldn't help if you hurry if you drink it. <laughs> just, just digest it and take all the nutrients out. <laughs> and then that's what go out. But so it doesn't mean you deliberately go in and try to prove something with it. You just you just relax into the situation as it is. Your own you know, the very negativity that's arising uh, is your Buddha nature. And how, why do I say that? Because everywhere I look, I see the Buddha. I also see the, the cover ups each one of you have. And I'm not going to take your wisdom mind away from you by telling you what it is because you need to see it. Don't believe what I say. Don't ignore it. When we see it, will be will things be different? You won't care. There won't be anyone to care. <laughs> that really hurts to smile. 
What? Don from Virginia has a question. I knew you'd have a question, Don. When our true nature awakens, is it the wisdom mind that becomes aware of this before ego jumps in and adds? They aren't two different things. The wisdom mind is, uh, and the ego mind are not two different things. They just look like it. And we keep shredding our emotions all the time, over and over, trying to be somebody else, trying to be somebody else. Knock it off. How do you do that? You have to see, you have to be with whatever negative feeling arises without accepting it. I didn't tell you to accept anything. Without rejecting it? Did I tell you not to reject it? Think about what I said. Without rejecting it? And without ignoring it or shutting down or distracting yourself away from it. Try to just, you know, like it said, uh, the way they, the way it's talked about with Bodhidharma and the, but the seventh century, I guess it was the seventh, come over from uh, India to teach the uh, crazy Chinese people, uh, which were not so crazy. Uh, the legend goes that he sat in front of a wall for nine years. Well, he did chicken tazza, basically. Said that he cut his eyelids off so he wouldn't close his eyes. Well, all that means is he didn't close his eyes. It didn't mean that he actually cut his eyelids off. It just means that he looked at the wall. It's just another way of teaching uh, Zen. Question from Laura in Driver City. Yes, Laura. I often feel a strong desire to awaken and an attachment to the Buddhist teachings. What does one do with that desire and attachment? Don't do anything with it. Just what, if you just, anything that happens, anything that shows up anywhere, and anyone here, if you just look at it and you don't add to it, this is really good. You don't subtract from it, this is really bad. And you don't distract yourself. What problem or what situation? Oh, there's a table. Was that a mouse? Anything to get out of what this. So if you if you just don't do anything with whatever's coming and going, and the way of doing that uh, somewhat pretentiously or even artificially is the sitting practice of meditation. You're, you're endeavoring to do nothing. And of course, to endeavor to do nothing means you see how much is going on in your discursive mind. I like it. I don't like it. It's good. It's bad. It's not. I don't know. I don't know. Do nothing with that. Uh, and eventually, uh, uh, there will just be the thoughts and emotions and the, 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 I, the ideas, the concepts and everything without anyone doing that. And eventually, you will see that there isn't any solid being behind any of that uh, spinning. Yes. Does ignorance show up on its own? Shows up as a as a could show up as a concept. Uh, we might start to get tuned into it more conceptually if we're wired more that way. We might start to approach it that way. But if we're not, we might approach it more as noticing that we're absent for different periods of time. Suddenly, there's we weren't really there. We were somewhere else, or or we weren't somewhere else, but we were we dropped out without. I'm not talking about you're having a stroke or something. I'm just saying that some kind of a absenteeism from whatever's happening. Sometimes you can see, if you're talking to someone, sometimes you can see someone do that. You're having a conversation and maybe they don't like what you're talking about or maybe they're tired of you, and but they don't want to come out and say, I'm really tired of you. <laughs> I'm have to leave now. Instead, they just go, you notice they're gone. And they might come back, but they've actually been somewhere else. They've actually ignored you. They may not know it. They may think they're getting away with it. So to speak, but if you're if you've been looking at your own mind for a few years, uh, 
You might not be awake, but you're very clear how asleep other people are. Have you noticed that? You ever noticed how you can, how clear you can be about other people's insanity, but you're still trying to get a handle on your own? Yes, sir. Is there a difference in quality between going somewhere else and maybe being in the sense of your vision? Say, say more about it. Um, it just seems like whenever that shows up for me, like I can get lost in a thought pattern. And then in hindsight, I realized I was in a thought pattern. It's kind of like I get snapped out of it. And then there are other times where it seems like I'm a little bit more in my senses. Um, so I'm wondering if there's a difference in quality between. I think there is. Yeah, one of them. One of your, one of them, you're gone. The other one, you're real gone. <laughs> I mean that. That comes back to my question about ignorance being a choice. So, how do we do nothing with something that seems to show up on its own, especially ignorance? I think that if we've been practicing and training our mind to just observe the thoughts as they come and go, without grasping, rejecting, without adding any kind of a a further disturbance to the chaos that's already arising, perhaps, in our mind, just doing nothing with it, uh, then the, the awareness or what he is, uh, uh, phenomena is awakened mind, this, the phenomena, we begin to see that that actually is part of the awareness itself. Even though it's arising in that field, we have to first see that field and then we see that it's not separate from the field. Just like a cloud is in the sky, but in another sense, it can't arise without a sky. So it's not separate from the sky in a certain sense, even though it appears different. The sky isn't doing anything, but the clouds are moving around in it. But without the openness of the sky, there could be no cloud, relatively speaking. More? I'm glad I was able to answer that for you. Did you? You were talking about noticing other people leaving a conversation when you were talking to them. If we notice that we're the ones leaving a conversation, if someone's talking to us, is that disrespectful to them? They probably aren't gonna, even going to notice it. <laughs> so they might, but if you're noticing it, um, that's that's the primary situation. But if you're not, it's not about stopping that. Don't don't uh, jump in too quick to remold yourself into some ideal, really cool person who's very nice to everyone. Don't do it. This doesn't mean go the other way and be an ass. And in that situation, you're probably going to notice that coming and going because you, especially in your situation, you've been meditating for quite a number of years. You're probably going to see that. Other people are so involved in their thought patterns, probably not going to notice it. Someone who's a, who's a practitioner might notice it quicker because they've been strengthening their or practicing being more aware of anything that's moving. And if your body and your language and everything is the, is the focus of then they're probably, they may notice your distraction. But they also probably probably wouldn't comment on it necessarily, unless it showed up, which you might say something to you. I noticed you were rather distracted. <laughs> Where is he? Is he ill? Are you ill? Yes. Don has another question. Yes, Don. He asks, if wisdom mind and ego mind are the same, are they just separated but not separate? Not buying that one. Sorry. <laughs> Sounds good, then put it on a candy wrapper. Not exactly. Write that down and read it back to yourself. And then paraphrase it three or four times. Write it down in different ways. Tell me what those concepts are showing up, Don, or anybody. 
further questions? Ishikai. When we endeavor to understand something, not necessarily conceptually, how do we approach that? Or the, the best thing you can do, you hear me say it over and over, just, re just receive. And when I say receive, not just receive somebody's voice or pay attention to someone, but receive everything. The walls, the lights, the skin color, the body language, everything at once, everything all at once. Past and future extra. Past and future is something we pad this direction and we and we justify this direction. There isn't any, the past and future is an illusion. I'm not saying there isn't a uh, rough and ready past and, and future relative to uh, a candle burning down. Of course there is. But without the candle burning down, you wouldn't be aware of time without the clock moving. That's why we came up with those little mechanical things because time was very vague. And we knew there was something happening because people got old and died. But we weren't sure quite what it was. I think, was it in uh, 2800 BC they invented time? Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> time is a concept. It's just that it's been around so long and it's been stuffed into our ears since uh, we were standing in front of the refrigerator when we were four years old, trying to get some milk. We've been told this over and over, to be late for school. And that just sets right in, and we just start using that as a what a reference point. It's unreal. It's created. It's a manifestation of a thinking process. It's not that something isn't happening, but it's basically decay. Everything that comes into being decays. If you were able to understand able to understand time on a deeper level like that? Would it show up as conceptual information? We'd do both, but you wouldn't be attached to it. So you would know, you might be more aware of what time it is. You might be more aware that you're not aware of what time it is and you have to ask your wife, what time is it? So you'd be more aware of it, but you'd also be aware that it's unreal. And you're living in a, this is a, this is like a dream. It's very much like a dream. What's the nature of phenomena that we perceive before we see it as awakened mind? It just looks like lumps of stuff in space, basically. A blob of this, and there's a box of that, and there's a gunny sack of that. Of course, you don't know what a gunny sack is. Too young. Gunny sacks uh, is what you keep gunnies in. You have to be in the Marine Corps. They call them gunny sergeants. I'm going to work. There's somebody out there in TV land. Don't know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> so it is. It's the. It, it, it has a kind of solidity because of the the speed of the. We're in a very low vibration. It moves very slowly. It's very very slow. So it looks like we can't see things decay, come apart. When you're talking about time, um, and it being made up or an illusion, I get the image of other societies that maybe aren't so prompt as the U.S. and are just really slow and relaxed. Is yeah. is it anything like that? I think there's something to that. Uh, cultural cultural containment of particular ideas, like just like a, a body. Some people, if you go to some countries, uh, people stand very close to you when they talk. Their personal space is, and personal space is different here. You need a little bit of room. But some places you go, people walk right up to you, stand about this far away as if as if they'd known you forever. It's just because uh, 
it's the cultural structure that somebody was raised in. And so it shows up all different kinds of ways, like being uh, like uh, Japanese are very, very polite. And just doesn't mean they haven't gone to war. Some of them have gone to war, but uh, our country goes to war too. All countries are doing that in some way or another. More about that? It's good. Can we see the um, the made-up quality of time when we're so caught by it or conditioned to it? Well, one of the ways of being a meditator, you can notice that when you sit down to do a length of meditation, that sometimes it seems to go very fast, and sometimes it's, it's, it becomes what we call subjective. It becomes very subjective. Like um, something you're really enjoying tends to go fairly fast. Something you're really not too happy with tends to slow slow way down. I mean, I, I, you have more questions about that. That that's a simple way of saying it. It's very subjective. In other words, it's your own um, uh, six sense fields and objects. The objects that are coming into the six sense fields, including the mind. The mind is receiving thoughts. You do not generate thoughts. If you think you do, then <laughs> take a close look. And if you generate thoughts, stop generating bad ones. <laughs> I mean, you're in charge. You're not in charge of anything. Find out what it, what what the actual authority is. If you do, you're liberated. Am I liberated? I don't know. Yes. Should there or could there be any effort um, off the cushion to manipulate how we relate to time? The way that I recommend is just just observe it. Just notice. Uh, our forms here are very uh, tied into time. Uh, we need to do it at a certain time. In ancient times, they probably used sunrise. When the sun came up, that's when the Han and Bell would go off in ancient Japan and have clocks. So, um, I don't know, when, when was the first clock invented? Anyone know? Was it 2800 BC? <laughs> 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 yeah. It was. Right. It might be awful by 100 years. More? Anyone? You have about seven, eight minutes. You have a burning question. And bring it out. Yes. I'm wondering how do you approach something like the Sambhogakaya, where I feel like I don't have a whole lot of reference as to what that is. So I feel like I have difficulty exploring it. Okay. So. Uh, one way that I talk about, so ultimate truth is ultimate truth, Dharmakaya. You can't, you're not going to find it and be able to find it. It doesn't have a location, doesn't have space. It's not a phenomenological, has no uh, ontological status as a fancy <laughs> has no status as a thing or as a, even as a phenomenon. It, it is a way of talking about, uh, the, about, as it says here, the true nature of phenomena. It's a way of talking about it. It seems to be easier to look at it if we break it down into those aspects. Uh, one way would be um, that I often say, and, and there can probably other ways, but it has been helpful to me, is to look at dreams as in that same kind of area as Sambhogakaya, or the, it's called the body of bliss. And that area, it's not happiness, because happiness uh, goes away, turns into unhappiness. So from the Buddhist perspective, bliss does not go away. It's uncovered. It's always been there. And so uh, one of the ways to approach that maybe is through dreams, is to see that that whole area, it's not that it's so wonderful or so uh, full of uh, golden chariots, 
but it's an area that, that there, though there is a quality of time there, it isn't time like physical time. There is a quality of space there, though it's not a space like the space between my hand and this uh, altar. This has a kind of stability to it that is very, very engaging. But you'll notice in a dream, what happens in a dream is because of our conditioning in uh, Nirmanakaya or this realm, that when we, when we do go into that state of deeper uh, intermediate state uh, level of consciousness, that anything that shows up there, we think it's real. So it's a, even though it's a dream, if you happen to uh, do some training, I know uh, other people probably have, but I know Chazan spent some time, uh, even in retreat, doing uh, um, doing uh, lucid dreaming practices, which is something that he kind of was doing naturally when he was very young. Uh, and so this just means that you kind of, uh, I don't know if it's kind of, but you, yeah, maybe sort of might be the better word. You sort of wake up inside the dream and realize you're in a dream, and you realize that if you can, if you can keep from so sinking back into the 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 kind of spontaneous discord uh, that's called um, just just ordinary dreaming, and stay with it, you actually can have a little bit of say so about what's happening in the lucid dream. You can actually manifest something. You can actually uh, go from what's happening in that dream into the actual room that you're sleeping in. And actually look at your physical body laying on a bed. This is, Chazan isn't the only one that's done that. Lots of people, there's all kinds of books written on it. And you'll notice that if you read three books on it, they all have a different idea. The first one I read was by, uh, was called A Projection of the Astral Body by Sylvan Muldoon and Herewood Carrington. Very powerful book written back in the 30s, I think. So my first uh, astral projection experiences were back in the 1960s. So, but it's possible to, to separate the body from uh, the, or the consciousness from the body. And I think different people have different ability. Some people just separate spontaneously just by sit, doing sitting meditation and look at the back of their head and so on. No big deal. It's not a big accomplishment. I don't recommend it. Nor do I, would I discourage you from doing that if that arose. But it doesn't mean that you're somehow better than people who can't do that. We tend to, if we can find a way to give ourselves a credential, we're going to do it. Look at me. Got great item. Further question? Any further questions? Yes. Don has another follow up. This is attempt number one. Attempt number one? Yeah, you told him to contemplate this question. Oh my gosh, he's been doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Ready? Ready is all over me. Is wisdom mind intuitive knowledge that ego tries to possess? No. No, you, you won't be able to, I mean, that's, that's a reasonable description, and it might look good in a psychology book. In fact, you could write a book about it, and it would probably sell. So it, it makes some sense, especially for someone who's been meditating, and I know Don's been meditating for a while, but it's, it, it misses it. It misses it because it, it straps itself into the bucket of relative truth and, and that is at the top of the Ferris wheel. But it's still on a Ferris wheel. You're still going to have to come down the other side. Not always so. So I have to find that with the consciousness. Uh, there, there is no, it is not that there's not a body here or a body there. It's just that there's no person. There's no individual anymore. That's gone. And it's not that it, it disappeared. It's just that it's been seen through. You see that who you thought you were was not a solid being. It's a pretty good thing to happen. I highly recommend it. Nothing changes. Yes. Michael Bonnie, what's the difference between receiving and distracting yourself into something else. 
Receiving is uh, straightforward and direct, and whatever is occurring, you're not agreeing with it. That would be distracting yourself. You're, you would be shutting down because you agree with it. So no further investigation and nothing is static. Nothing is holding still, at least in this particular uh, part of the path. And then uh, objecting to it, agreeing with it or shutting down, um, take us in, a, in another direction. But just uh, just observing it move in this way or go away in the other way or do whatever it's doing without accepting, uh, rejecting or uh, distracting ourselves, whereas distracting ourselves is actually moving away from what's there into something else. Uh, it could be uh, as much that you might think you're still looking at it, but actually the ideation or the, 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 the what that is triggering is actually taking you away from what was uh, originally there. And, or your antagonism about it, you're feeling like that's, uh, that's this isn't right. Any kind of, a, even this isn't right is enough to actually take you away from what is appearing. Your judgment actually covers it up. So it's a, it is a passionate way of ignoring. Go ahead. So would we even know if we were seeing something directly? Not for a while. Might it might take quite a while because the, the understanding of what the presumption of what that's going to be like might be covering it up. So you might be able to be there, be present for a long time before you actually see that what that what that actually is. If there isn't anything else, the elseness of things, uh, empty empty of other, it's empty of anything other. Until you see that, you'll continue to grasp at some objects and reject other objects and ignore other objects. Passion, aggression, ignorance. Those are the three poisons in Buddhism, sir. With the area of the dreaming where we have the ability to kind of wake up in the dream. Lucid dreaming. What is that aspect of the consciousness that isn't waking up or isn't lucid dreaming or like doesn't have the ability to move around in there consciously? You mean when that's happening? If there's another part that's not doing that or something? Uh like if, if there's dreaming and there's awareness of dreaming, but there's there's not the ability to consciously direct or move around within the dream. I think it just takes practice. If you wanted to do that, you felt like that was valuable, then you might have to focus on it a lot. Some people have a more of a natural ability or that when people are really young, that tends to happen spontaneously quite a bit. As we get older, it's more and more difficult, more and more lodged in a physical form. But as far as the actual thing, I would say if you wanted to go into that deeper, then uh, practice it and continually um, give yourself uh, um, suggestions. I, I don't think it's important to do that. Uh, I think it's something you could do if you wanted to. But to, from my way of understanding, it's what is important is to find out, uh, is to work with the idea of identity. Is there some solid being? Is, am, am I someone? The illusion of someone doesn't really go away. Uh, what 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 happens is you stop believing it, and so it's quite a quite a, a display of uh, of your of the karma that arose as this being, as the consciousness is no longer uh, with it or separate from it or objecting to it or agreeing with it or ignoring it. Uh, there is no uh, dynamic going on. There isn't anyone. There's just this, and it is uh, as I was saying earlier, using those fancy Sanskrit words, svabhavikakaya, or the 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 the, the dharmakaya. Sambhogakaya, Nirmanakaya, or the ultimate truth, 
uh, the relative truth and that which joins them together uh, are one situation. And it's not even a situation. We have to talk about it somehow, otherwise we'd have to come up with something besides language and concept. Yes. A question from Bosker in Houston? Yes. Is it all just a process? Oscar. <laughs> I think the process part is very important. And it helps us if we just say, well, it's just a process. I think it helps us not uh, buy into buy in too much to the various things can, that can arise on the path as uh, things that we need to see that are part of our particular karma that go back to beginning of time to the 13th century, the innumerable times, not necessarily another lifetime, but that go very, very deep that are showing up here in this present time. Uh, it's just a process, you could say. It's just a, it's a practice. Just sit down and, and make a vow to be with all things. Vow to, vow to take care of yourself. Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, vow to take care of others. Be with all things. Take care of this and take care of this. Not, it's not easy. It's difficult. We need, we, in our tradition, we have the structure of the Buddha, the example of someone who is sane. The Dharma as the truth that he taught. Everything is dependently arisen. There's no separate being anywhere. I don't care how separate you feel. And, uh, and Sangha, or the community of people who are uh, getting together that are mutually supporting each other in, in trying to understand this and, and liberate themselves from the, uh, the as uh, Nagarjuna said in the first century, the cage of our afflictions. We're in, a, we're in a cage of our passion, aggression, and ignorance, and the awareness, which is not separate from anything, uh, can't can be liberated because we keep bumping into these walls of our beliefs, our opinions, our hopes, and our fears. And I did say hopes. Oh, process. The, in the Tibetan tradition is a word called Xinjiang, and Xinjiang means thoroughly processed. So you saying that, uh, Bhaskar made, made me think of that. That was something Trump Rinpoche talked about uh, back in the 70s, about to actually just thoroughly process, just thoroughly process. You're, you're, uh, I think one of the images he used is, it's like you're in a big, like you're a carrot, and you're really bright orange. And uh, but you jump into this pot of boiling water called uh, the practice or the dharma, and you slowly get bleached out. So you're still a carrot, it's just that you don't have any personality anymore. Kind of terrifying. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. The samsara is the one terrifying. This is the one we we get upset and terrified and fearful. I would say train your mind. Take that fear and that craziness or whatever any of us may have or I may have. Take that to the Christian. Sit down. Clarify this. And how do you clarify it? See how confusing it is. Don't, don't do a practice that makes you feel more clear. This is manure. You don't need that. You need to look at the lack of clarity. Look at the it's a smokescreen of the ego. Look at the confusion. Look at the turmoil. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. Just like don't receive it. Don't object to it. Or try to destroy it or get rid of it. Don't modify it. Do nothing with it. Other teachers teach other ways. If, if I'm not making sense, don't listen to me. Don't listen to somebody else. YouTube's full of other teachers. Yes. You said don't receive it, but I thought you said receive. I changed my mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so when I say receive, I'm saying what I meant by that was um, was don't grasp at it. But if it's coming, if it's if it's coming and knocking on your door, then you open the door. 
or just take your door off the hinges. But watch out for wolves. You can tell by the howling in the darkness. Anything else? Thanks so much.